quitethethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Wrong Term Memory. My name is Jack. And my name's Colin. Jack, how are you this week? You doing well? I am super, Colin. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, not bad. It's um, been a decent old week. We're recording this on Thursday evening, so getting close to the weekend. Getting tattooed this weekend, mate, so looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to getting your tattoos. Just before we start, we are recording on Squadcast, which is an online recording device, in inverted commas, that uses basically the browser, and it's working really well for us, so it is, man. Yeah, it's been great. We've been trial- we've tried it out a couple of times now and moved over to it now. Um, it just takes out a lot of the issues we've had in the past with some Skype and Zoom type stuff. It's a better quality at each end and it's made simple. Um, it's been good for guests but other stuff we've done as well because if you've got a guest that's not really doing this normally and they're not used to Skype, not used to Zoom, not got a great setup, it's all browser based. So we heartily recommend Squadcast. If you're not just a podcast listener and you are recording podcasts, you do get a seven day free trial. Sorry. So you can pop onto the site, give it a go and if you enjoy it, which I think you will, then sign up. You know, we are doing what are they doing now today, basically, Colin, because you found a bunch of celebrities that are basically working normal jobs in inverted commas now. Yeah, they're just slumming it like the rest of us, Jack. Um, so I, I found the list quite interesting. Um, some of the, f- the so-called falls from grace. And it's an interesting jump-off point, as always, because we'll probably spend maybe... 30 seconds talking about each person and the job they're doing and then a bit more time on actually who that person was and what we remember about them and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and after we've done that, we're going to talk a little bit about the death of John McAfee, um, a guy I didn't know even know existed until yesterday. Um, and he died. But he seems a bit of a maniac and right up our streets. So we'll have a bit of a chat about him as well. Yeah. I knew about him, I knew he was a little bit wild, but there is some things that you've pulled together that I wasn't wasn't particularly aware of about his situation, you know, started McAfee antivirus alongside other things, I think he might be a bit of a hacker and stuff like that, but we will get to him later on, mate. Greenchild, did you watch that when you were younger? Uh, I did watch Greenchild, I think we, we, we spoke at this before that um, Children's BBC and Tuesdays and Thursdays were dynamite because... On Tuesdays or Thursdays at ten past five, you got Green Chill or you got Baker Grove, and it wasn't a shitey Blue Peter day. Yes, I was not a Green Chill fanatic. Watched it in dribs and drabs, and I was younger. I was right into Baker Grove, but that was my that was my Tuesday and Thursday watching. Um, tended not to watch a lot of Green Chill, but Zamo used to be a character in it supposedly. Um, do you remember Zamo? Yeah, Zamo. I, I don't remember Zamo from watching it when he was in it, but I remember it from watching the old episodes that they used to play on a Saturday morning before live and kicking and stuff like that, because Zamo was pretty heavy 80s and I wouldn't have been watching it in the 80s. Um, but yeah, Zamo was one of the main characters at the start when like your Mark Fowlers and all that were in it, your Todd Carties and stuff, and he had quite a, a dark arc at the start where he got heavy into drugs um and so much so that there was a campaign called Just Say No with a song, the Green Shell cast sang the song and Zamo became a bit of a poster boy for Just Say No to Drugs because it showed kids for the first time just how much you could fuck yourself up uh, and as that was all Zamo. Uh, but unfortunately he didn't end up with a big massive career acting and doing other stuff after Green Shell and he now runs a little shop in Wallington where he cuts keys for a living. So he's a new key cut, 
you can go and get his ammo. And if you ask him to cut your key, he will not just say no. He will say yes. There's your key. There we are, dearie me. That was pretty. That was pretty contrived there, mate, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, key cutting, it's a very niche thing that people still need, I suppose, uh, very much. They will be going out of business soon because I imagine doors will be locked with fucking chips in your arm or your phone or X, Y and Z, stuff like that. That's maybe a little bit more secure, but at the same time, if somebody was to steal your phone, perhaps, could they then walk into your house if they knew where you come from? But I'd imagine they'd get past that somehow, security-wise. So key cutting might not be a thing in a couple of years, same as money and stuff like that, the internet of things is taking over. Basically. I think but yeah, most of the most of the smart locks that are out now, you're right. They are kind of activated by your phone, and it will basically recognise your Bluetooth next to it and unlock it. But it does have most of them have got a fallback for should your phone run out of battery or you lose your phone. You usually, got a fingerprint reader on them as well. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I wonder if his shop did more things basically because just key cutting. The key cutter that eyelash remember being in was also a hardware store. You know, it sold stuff. Like, I don't think you can just be a key cutter. I don't think there's enough people needing key cut to make that a full-time job. So it probably sells hammers, nails, and stuff that real men use, basically. Yeah, stuff that you and I don't. Um, they usually do the little signs of your name on them for your door and your numbers and stuff. They they usually sell those things as well in these types of stores. Um little pet collars with a pet's name on it and stuff like that. Little tro- tokens to put in your supermarket trolley. All that sort of stuff probably all comes into the whole key cutting thing now. Um I don't know if I believe in key cutting, mate. I'm not sure like I'm looking at my house just now. I'm looking I'm sat looking at my office window, right, and I can see about twenty houses easily, right? And that's just what I can see just now. I just don't think every house in the world's got a different key. There just can't be infinity keys in the world. So somewhere must my house key must open another door somewhere. Well, I remember years ago we used to run about, and my friend had like a big, massive, old school key for his shed or something like that, and it used to open the electricity boxes for the lights in our neighbourhood, basically. So we used to turn the lights off like dickheads, man, absolute dickheads, you know. So it would be pitch black, yeah. But that was like a like a big old school skeleton type key. You you. You've got the picture in your head, so I know what I mean. Yeah, the big old school one. But back in the nineties, did you used to watch? You think it's all over? I did, and I absolutely adored Lee Hurst on it. I thought he was literally the funniest guy in Britain, and now I think he's probably the worst guy in Britain. I don't know what he's up to nowadays, man. He's on Twitter, basically screaming about Brexit, screaming about minorities, being a mad racist, and just being an awful, awful human being. Nick Hancock used to present it, and he's not on telly anymore really or doing the football gaffes videos which were big back in the 90s alongside Danny Baker I think he's a solicitor now yes he is a solicitor now um he's been doing that for about a decade or so because I think before before Frank Skinner he did Room 101 as well but yeah he just kind of disappeared from TV and that's unusual like most guys that have been established in something successful like they think it's all over and then something's like Room 101 that's a decent old run you'd expect to pick up more work you usually only completely lose it at that point if you i don't know if you've if you're accused of something or you've done something so it's weird but I'm, i dare say as a solicitor he's still making decent money i think a few people moved into 
soliciting, lawyering, uh, the guy from Blur as well, Dave Rowntree, I think he's now a solicitor too, that kind of rings a bit of a bell, so it's a decent earner, I presume, as well, so, like, are you a TV presenter and then you go back to college for four years or whatever to get into soliciting, how easy is it to make that jump, because it seems like it would involve a decent bit of studying, or was Nick Hancock a solicitor before you got into TV? I'm not sure that. I don't know if a solicitor is the type of job that you can you can pick up and do like a postgrad in or something like that if you've got a degree in something similar already. And then it, it might be easy to go and just pick up a year's worth of solicitor uni and do it that way. It, it seems it seems too much of a specialist job though for me, Jack, for that. You would think that is a, a four or five year degree type thing to go into court and be a solicitor and argue with judges and stuff. But he did disappear for ages. Like we're not, and we're not saying that he went off TV and was a solicitor the next day. He just disappeared, didn't he? So he could have been at uni for five years. We don't know. He might have been. He very much might have been. Now we don't speak about football an awful lot on here, but we're obviously right in the middle of the Euros, and it has one of the teams that sort of disappointed me. I'll be honest, was Turkey because I think off the top of my head they didn't lose a single goal in qualification, <laughs> but. Getting pumped left, right, and centre, pretty embarrassing for them. But back in the day, do you remember Hakan Trucker? He was a really good football player. Yeah, he was their top goal scorer. He was their main man for a while. Um, he was basically the poster child of Turkish football for a long time. But he's not now, Jack. He is now driving a taxi in America. Yeah, he fell out with the president of Turkey, um, Rishap Tayyip Erdogan, back in the day and exposed us. It basically started to get death threats and false accusations, basically. And he's come out and said, I have nothing to tell. Um, took everything, my liberty, my freedom, my expression, my right to work, he told the paper. He scored 51 goals and 112 appearances for Turkey, so he was like a, a like a world-class striker at the time, between sort of 92. He played for him 15 years, I think, between 92 and 2007. Part of the Turkish side that finished was at third at the 2002 World Cup. Played in England as well. Um, Blackburn, he played for. Spent, yeah, spent most of his career over in Turkey, but and is still the all-time leading goal scorer in the Turkish Premier League. But he tried to get into politics, which is something that happens with not a lot of football players, but with football players who come from countries where it is a little bit politically unstable. Yeah, and Turkey was sort of one of those places in 2011. He actually won a seat in a, at the parliament as a member of the Justice and Development Party. And he was tied to a guy called Fulusia Galen, who was a Turkish Islamic scholar and a rival of the sort of top potato over there, um, the president. So, like, he decided to fuck off, but <laughs> he decided to get away because I think if you want to take on from your people, where, like, there was a lot of shit going on in Turkey at the time, I think. Like, there was coups and stuff like that, and he thought, no, I'm out of here, man, I don't want to die, which is fair enough. That is fair enough, because I don't want to die. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't either. Um, so yeah, he got the fuck out of town. Um, however, with all the, the attempted coups and everything else that was going on, he was basically named by the Turkish um, state as a fugitive and a member of the Fatula terrorist organisation, FETO. Um, they reported that he was living in a $3 million house and running a cafe in Palo Alto, which is one of the richest areas of San Francisco in the Bay Area. He, however, tells a completely different story. He said he did move to the USA, he did run a little cafe, um, but strange people kept coming into the bar um, and I didn't feel safe. Now I drive for Uber. 
Um, his houses, his businesses, and his bank accounts in Turkey have all been seized by the government. So he can't get hold of any of the, any of the funds, the vast majority of his wealth that he generated during his career. Everything that came with it has been taken away. And he is basically driving an Uber car around California now, Jack. It is a shame. And if he is telling the truth and the Turkish government froze his bank accounts and things like that, that is shit. That's not great, like, to have that power. And I don't know, it seems kind of his own fault. Because when he got into bed with the guy back in 2011, he didn't realise that his mortal enemy would end up being the fucking president in <laughs> 2016, you know. So you wouldn't really think that that was going to be an issue for you when you um, go against somebody or um, start a, a fight with them that they're going to end up being the most powerful man in the country and you have to fuck off. So Hakan Suka might or might not have had his money stole by the Turkish government. It certainly sounds that way. Jack, do you remember Samantha Mumba? Yeah, I thought she was gorgeous, man. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Irish uh, singer, Samantha Mumba, really popular kind of early noughties, quite a lot of hits and stuff like that. Disappeared in recent years, not heard from her for a long time. Um, didn't even do reality shows even, she's not even done that circuit really. Reason being, she works for a vending machine company and she goes around Dublin stocking office vending machines with Mars bars and Twixies and cans of Coke and stuff like that, Jack. That's what she's doing now. Again, is that a job? Like, I thought, if I've ever seen restocking happening in my work, it's the staff that are doing it, it's the kitchen staff that do it. So is she just, a, like, surely she doesn't go in. Maybe, maybe there's some places that they don't have the fucking keys for it, basically, or they rent the vending machine, perhaps. That's it, yeah. It depends on if you own your vending machines outright or if you just... You just hire them from a company, basically. Um, I think it's a, it's a lot more lucrative for a company to have contracts to put vending machines in your place rather than just sell you the vending machine that you can then fill yourself. And in a previous workplace, we owned the vending machines and it was like the cafeteria staff and stuff that were filling them up. And my current workplace, it's a third party and you see the guy coming in with his van, filling it all up and he lifts the money, takes the money out. He's, he must have some sort of an agreement in place that he pays to have his machine in our workplace. But when you're charging eighty pence for a Mars bar and you're getting to buy, you can you can buy what a pack of fifty Mars bars probably for twenty quid probably. They're making a fortune these guys. So maybe she runs the company. Maybe she's not a member of staff, but that's what she's into now: filling up vending machines. Right. Okay. And what happens in your work when the crisps fall against the fucking thing and don't come out? Where do you go to get your crisps? There's a phone number. And um, <laughs> you need fucking book a phone up and book an appointment. And you tell the guy basically, and you get your crisp next time. But ours are quite shakeable, to be honest. You can you tend to give them a shake and get double trouble every time. I remember in secondary school there was a vending machines and the cola machine. One day started giving out free cans of cola, so we found out and emptied it basically. Emptied it. Just kept pressing the button. Kept coming out. We, we had vending machines that were a bit like that sometimes. We used to call it doing the bump because you used to give the machine a bump and you sometimes got a freebie sort of thing. Right, okay. Alex Park, who was in Fame Academy, supposedly, ended up working in the post office in the end. Yeah, she was she was a week out anyway. Wasn't my thing, Fame Academy. Never was and never has been. I really liked Fame Academy. It was quite cool because it was... It showed you them living together and they actually went to classes and it showed you a bit more of the actual training side of it rather than just X Factor at Saturday night, you know what time it is, 
her singing. It was a bit more to it than that. So Phoebe Cladden was actually quite good. But she was, uh, I never ever liked her, I never took to her. I hope she hates her job in the post office. <laughs> Fair enough. They seemed to be doing a lot of 90s stuff. One of the one of my favourite films back then was American Pie, because of the age I was. I think it was 14 or something when it came out. Went to the cinema to see one of them. Obviously shagging pies and the girl's name that got our jubblies out, who was lovely. That was great at that age. It was the foreign girl, wasn't she? She was like from Czechoslovakia or something. I can't remember. Nadia? Nadia, that is exactly it. She was lovely as well. One of the sort of standout characters, basically, in it. That wasn't one of the main guys. Was Sherminator? Like I thought he was <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a gimp, a bit of a, a liar. He is now a waiter. Yeah, uh, the arse fell out of his career after American Pie. Might have been his first film, and then American Pie Two was probably his last film by the sounds of it. I don't know much else about his career, but yeah, he is a waiter now. So, I mean, you've got to, you've got to work, you've got to make your money. So I'm, I'm not degrading any job ever. You know, if you're out making money, you're out making money, but like to be a film star, I think, or think that's me. I'm in films. I'm in Hollywood films now. I'm the Terminator because of your character. That's who you are. You're Terminator. Like you can't be anything else after that, I suppose. So you've got to be a little bit smarter, maybe about the roles you picked early on in your acting career. I would presume that's that's exactly what's fucked him. I think he was very good in that role, but. Think about how how long ago American Pie was. I couldn't name all the main characters of American Pie, but I can name Shermanator, and that's that's why he's kind of typecast in that position. Like he's not going to become James Bond, is he? He's not going to be the love interest in a film. He's not going to be an action hero. But what's he going to be other than Shermanator? And they're not making American Pie films anymore. I think they stopped after American Pie Eight or something. Um, so he's done. So I hope he enjoys being a waiter. Fair play to him for doing something. Another actor was Bradley Banning, who was in EastEnders. Again, I can kind of get where if you're a soap star and you're in a soap for that long, that's kind of who you become in the eyes of everybody in Britain, basically. So finding work after that may be a bit of a challenge. Like, we'd Barry on, obviously, Sean Williams. Hello friends, Colin here, the looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate Life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrongtermemory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. He's not doing a lot of acting anymore, is he? He's doing the celebrity circuits, the quizzes, and X, Y, and Z, so... Like he's no, I mean, he's successful. He's doing his thing, um, but Bradley ended up being a chef, and not in like a nice restaurant or anything like that. You know, like not like a Michelin star chef, a chef in a garden centre, mate. So was he making hot dogs, burgers? That's it. Chips? Yeah, it's fair play if he wants to go away and become a chef and shit and stuff. But a chef in a garden centre, with the best respect in the world, is not. He's not pulling up any trees. He's not winning any Michelin stars in there, is he? Um. 
I think that's the thing as well. EastEnders, a lot of these people that go on, like EastEnders or Coronation Street, they do it for five, six, seven years or so, and then they, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go and do other roles, I'm going to go discover what else I can do and all that. The vast majority of them that leave don't do anything because people have watched them three, four nights a week as somebody and their typecast as well. You need to be exceptionally good to leave a soap and actually do something with yourself after it. If you think of like Sarah Lancaster, Anna Friel, um, maybe say Grant Mitchell in terms of he's went away and done stuff. Other than that, there's not a lot of examples, Jack, of soap stars that went away and became proper mainstream actors. It just isn't a thing, really. It doesn't appear to be a thing. No, it doesn't. We probably should have covered the next couple of guys in the football bit that we just done, but we're back. We're back to football, basically. And I like this guy's story, um, Aaron Dezou, who used to play for Wigan, Portsmouth, Barnsley, I think as well, who one of our friends is a bit of a fan of. He eventually got a PhD, so he was a smart potato, this guy, in medical science, and now he's got a pretty cool job, I think. He works as a forensic investigator for the Dutch police, which is pretty snazzy, man. I like that. It is pretty cool. Um, to think that obviously work, you're, you're a footballer, you do that to your 33, 34, 35, and then you go and get this PhD and become a pretty shit-hot job working for the Dutch police. It's I like that. It is a good one. It's an interesting job, and it's a really popular job in terms of university at the minute. There's loads of different forensic courses, loads of different ways into that. I think the whole buzz with CSI in the last 10 years and all that sort of stuff really, really helped with that. So he must be smart to break into it at an older age and stuff like that. So well done. It's a bit different from a footballer to be doing that rather than punditry, management or setting up a school or something like that. So fair play to him. He might have been one of those football players that wasn't particularly a fan of football. Like Duncan Ferguson, although he still works in the football, didn't really like playing football. He preferred his pigeons. We know that. Maybe he just was good at football but didn't particularly enjoy it followed his passion to be a, a medical scientist, which is good for him. Another football player, Mattia Keshman. Do you remember him? Played for Chelsea. Did play for Chelsea. Um, striker. Which, uh, would you, I know it's not a football show, but Chelsea is the club that strikers go to today. And this guy, more than others, he, he went there as a striker and he's now an orthodox priest. Um, there's a little before and after picture of him there for you, Jack, to see what it looks like. Oh, there we are. Yes, he has got quite the beard and... Looks like a homeless person, to be careful. <laughs> he really, really does look like a homeless person. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's an orthodox priest now. Do you remember the programme Dirty Sanchez, which was like a Welsh version of Jackass? I did enjoy it. I did watch it, man, because they were, they had to be more extreme than Jackass and some of the things that they done were fucking disgusting. Uncomfortable to watch at times. At the age I was, I would have been 18, 19 or so when this was on the television, very much in my wheelhouse, so yes, I do remember. Uh, supposedly, absolute assholes. like, they used to do live shows, and I think they were in a big place in Glasgow, it used to be called Campus, I don't know if it still is called Campus, up on Socky Hall Street, which is one of the sort of main drags, in inverted commas, of Glasgow, you know, it's about a mile long, mile and a half long, it's got a lot of bars and stuff on it. And campus used to do these sort of crazy live events. And I know a guy that met them after it. And even after it, they were putting on that act of just being disgusting, being sick and pink tumblers and getting people to drink them and stuff like that. They sound like absolute bangers. I've not heard what any of these guys are doing. Any, can you 
tell can me what, for shed, example, Pritchard is doing. Yeah. yeah, Pritchard is the one that I can that I can enlighten you of. He is now a vegan chef. Um, relative successful one with a number of vegan cookbooks that are out, and apparently they're very good. However, I read a guy commenting on him saying that it feels a bit weird if you're making like his courgette and pea pasta recipe, knowing that you've watched him at one point stapling his foreskin together. Yeah, and he's got a tattoo on his dick with the other guy's name on it, Denton. They two used to, they two used to have the sort of battle offs, and then there was the midget guy and the English guy. I think the worst thing I ever saw them do, and it's they probably did do far worse, but the one that made me kind of take an intake of breath and just feel awful was they pulled a guy behind a motorbike across gravel in shorts so that his legs got all cut and horrible and then they put salt and vinegar on his legs. Deary me. Uh, And I just remember that's fucking horrendous. We'll finish, Jack, with another footballer, a retired footballer. Another Chelsea player, actually, Gavin Peacock. Are you aware of the, the life that Gavin Peacock has now? I think he is a bit of a... I'm going to say God botherer. I don't know if that's politically correct nowadays, but a preacher maybe is more politically correct. I think he does something like that. Is that not his sort of bag nowadays? It is. Yeah, he's he's moved to Canada, and he is a preacher, a preacher of absolute nonsense. And I'll tell you his Twitter bio. This is goes to the order of importance to him, obviously. Christian, husband, father, preacher. And he's a pastor at Calgary Grace Church in Calgary. Um, but I've got a couple of his tweets here for you, Jack. Here's one of his tweets. Um, God's divine design for marriage and male headship and female submission is complementary, not competitive. What does that mean? Um, that God designed for males to be the head of the table, females just to be submissive to that. And it's not a competition, it's not something they should argue with, it's just that's how it is. Wives, one of the primary ways you are to respect your husband is by gladly submitting to and encouraging his leadership. Oh, he's a wank then. Ah, see, right, okay. Okay, he's a fucking massive prick. (laughs) (laughs) He's a nutcase. And then this last one. Husbands, one of your primary duties in loving your wife is to feed her with the word of God daily. Give her real food as well. Like, if you, if, if you want to feed her, you know, while she's sitting in the corner there, praising you for being such a fucking good leader. Yeah. I wait to fuck Gavin Peacock, you wanker. John McAfee, we mentioned him at the top of the show, man. He died yesterday, Wednesday. This is coming to you on the Monday show, four or five days ago now. This seems to have been... He's an interesting fella, basically. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about John McAfee, basically. He... Obviously had the antivirus software, uh, McAfee, but he done lots of other things as well, uh, including going a bit mental, full of drugs, basically. Supposedly killed his neighbour, fucking ran away to some remote island because he was absolutely minted, you know what I mean? He's got a lot of money. Oh, did he sold his first company for £7 billion or something, like $7 billion? So he snorted as much cocaine as he could, drank as much as he could and fucking basically lived on that wee island, I think. I don't know where it was, but it didn't have any extradition laws to the USA, so he, he was basically just sitting there with his fingers up going, fuck yous. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a bit of a, a bit of an article here about him which we'll kind of take turns in reading through, and then we've got some facts about him at the end that will give us a bit of a, a better idea of the kind of man that he was. So basically, he had a drug-fueled episode where he was accused of killing his neighbour, and he ran went on the run to Belize. He had been arrested in Guatemala eh, after his neighbour was found dead, 
and the police described him as a person of interest in this case. But like you say, he got himself to Belize and was living a life over there. He managed to somehow keep himself free for most of the time. He, he was successful with his money. But as good as he was, Jack, at making money, he was also really, really good at losing it. Quantity some of the things he did to lose money after this. Yeah, in 2008, in Belize, he ended up living next to a guy called Gregory Fall. And four years later, that guy was murdered in his home. Uh, the entire five years I was there, I said maybe 15 words to him. McAfee told the BBC. But the relationship apparently broke down over dogs. McAfee believed to have been poisoned, basically. Yeah, he thought he'd poisoned his dogs. There was no ongoing argument, he told the BBC News. Yeah, he was mad about my dogs. Maybe, I'm beginning to think now, maybe he was one who poisoned them, so he's starting to get a little bit paranoid. That might be the drugs, you don't know. And at the time, I certainly did not believe that, though. Yeah, he didn't believe that at the time he got murdered, obviously. Because that would that would give you one of the M's, which is motive. Yeah. <laughs> ABC News in America uh, revealed that this poor guy, Fall, had filed a complaint about McAfee's dogs, saying that one of them had attacked a tourist. Whatever the truth was, the police came looking for McAfee. He was not around. He was living with a 17-year-old girl at the time, and police discovered a large number of weapons in his home. When they eventually caught with him in Guatemala, many believed that he'd be tried for Fall's murder. But within over for a week, he was released and allowed to fly to Miami, a free man. After it was over, he asked himself, good lord, I must have been afraid, but I really can't remember. So that gives you an idea of just how much drugs he was using then as well. He was quite a smart guy, obviously, with uh, the computers, and he did make quite a lot of money throughout his, his life. Um, that murder was hanging over his head, obviously, for the rest of his life. But in 2019... A Florida court ordered him to pay $25 million to Falls Estate in a wrongful death claim. However, on his return to America, he characteristically just went about pursuing new money-making ideas and he settled down in Tennessee. As a lot of mentalists do at times when they've got a lot of money, decided that he wanted to run for president of the USA for the Libertarian Party and his campaign was to end the war on drugs and bulk up the US defences against cyber security attacks from China and Russia. But as we all know, another fucking maniac got in instead of him. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this time as well. He started to rock, promote cryptocurrencies. Um, at first, he was appearing to have quite a bit of luck with this business venture, um, certainly more so than his political career. He used the public platform that he had to promote so-called altcoins, uh, cryptocurrencies set up as rivals to Bitcoin. Um, at one point in 2018, Jack, he was charging $105,000 per tweet to promote a coin. Um, he also threw his weight behind an unhackable crypto wallet, which was then hacked. <laughs> um, but the way he was promoting cryptocurrencies would later draw the attention of the US Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. Um, and they were obviously interested in how well he was doing financially and hopeful of the tax he would eventually be paying. Yeah, like the Tennessee prosecutors looked into his money, basically, and said, look, this guy's making an absolute fucking fortune. In 2020, so not that long ago, he was arrested in Spain as he was about to jump on a plane to Turkey. He was accused of filing a fake tax return, basically, for years and years and years. Or not filing one, um, despite fucking making millions, actually. That's what he done. He decided not um, to do that. I suppose with cryptocurrencies, it can be maybe difficult to tell how much money people actually have. But prosecutors believe that he owed like $4 million, basically, in taxes between 2014 and 2018. Uh, that's what the press were reporting anyway at the time. US Justice Department alleged he had evaded tax liability by having his income paid into bank accounts and cryptocurrency, like we just said there, like into these fucking 
Bitcoin farms or whatever, so it was really difficult to actually find out how much money he had, basically. I think it was quite funny that, like, he obviously works in the, the hacking world, and to come out and say, look, this thing is unhackable, that's just like a fucking challenge to people, surely. It's exactly like, what it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it's unhackable, is it? Is it fuck? Yeah. He was also accused of concealing assets, including a yacht and a real estate property, all in other people's names. Uh, while he was in prison in Spain, he was indicted on further charges. Um, the SEC accused him of fraud and money laundering over the use of his social media to promote cryptos. Uh, he later told his Twitter followers he planned to go dark on social media after receiving threats from the SEC. The US government had ulterior motives in requesting this extradition, though. He said uh, he wanted to that he wanted to stop his run as a Libertarian Party candidate, and that was a factor. But on Wednesday, just this last week, Spain's National Court found there was no revealing evidence that he was being prosecuted for political or ideological reasons, and they authorised his extradition back to the USA. And what happened just a few hours after that, Jack? He thought, fuck that, and killed himself. Well... That's 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 what it's looking like. He was found dead in his cell, and his own lawyer did say he killed himself. However, he had been you getting people to tweet for him all the time when he was in prison. He's made lots of tweets in the last couple of years saying, "I'm happy. I'm treated well in prison. I'm not scared of anything. If I'm found dead, I have not committed suicide. They have killed me." Um, he also got a tattoo on his left arm that basically said, um, "They they killed me." Um, as proof that he was never going to commit suicide. I think he killed himself. If you get extradited to the USA and you get put in jail for that long a term, you're going to be in a, like one of these fucking really quite nasty jails, I would imagine. So I don't know. Like If you're trying to perpetuate a myth about yourself before you're dead, then what better way um, to end that story by pushing the myth or the story that you were murdered and not killed, I suppose you could I mean you could push that for years. He was obviously a little bit off of his nut. He used to like he was into shit as well. Like I don't just mean he was into wacky shit, like he was into jobbies, like poo. He used to sort of lie under hammocks and women would um, shit on him basically. Yeah, like through through the netting in the hammock, through the bee holes. Fuck that. <laughs> um he was pretty militant with these taxes at one point. He literally like he was accused of tax evasion, but there is a question about is it really tax evasion when he actually is quoted and saying, I'm not paying your fucking taxes? He had loads of guns, Jack. He was had guns all over the place. There was an interview he did. Um, I think it was around the time they did a podcast behind the bastards. I did an episode about him. And they had a guy that went to sit and spend time with him in his house. And when he got there, he had a handgun on the table and he was doing the whole Russian roulette with the bullets and shooting them into his head and stuff like that. Um, just to show that he had no fear and he was always in control, supposedly. But he was just a nutcase. Um, and you can trace some of this craziness back to his early life, can't you? Yeah, like, in his early days, he sold magazines door-to-door, worked for a few early computer companies after graduating. Um, but he followed the path to alcoholism that his father fell down to, and I think his father committed suicide. He quickly pivoted from alcohol to just uh, the good old hard drugs, uh, often showing up to work. Um, tripping balls basically on LSD and DMT and in fact he once snorted an entire bag of D- um, DMT which is like a quick bump uh, wasn't doing it fast enough for him you know so he snorted it to get it right into his brain which led him to hallucinating running outside and hiding in a trash can <laughs> and then never going back to that company like you know you get the fear when you get the hangover man like imagine taking DMT and fucking hiding in a trash bin yeah you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't go back to work uh, you've ended up 
exploring other job opportunities around Silicon Valley and in the 70s. Um, he continued his ravenous drug streak, basically. Um, he lost his last job um, he had before getting him sober was Omex, um, where he found himself doing blends of cocaine every morning and drinking a bottle of scotch over the course of a day, just sitting in work, just necking it back. Bizarre. It's like the bull for Wall Street stuff, this, isn't it? He sobered up and worked at Lockheed in the 80s when noticed a market for protecting computers from newly discovered viruses. The company took off from the widespread Michelangelo virus and he rose through the Silicon Valley ranks. He chilled there for a bit, but eventually sold his stock in the company for $100 million, and he moved to Belize. Uh, McAfee wanted to invest his money in an antibiotics business and just chill out over there. Uh, that was the plan, Jack, but things changed. Yeah, he was paranoid out of his dial. Things started to get a little bit hairy, and some of the screws in his head started to come a little bit loose. He was convinced that people were constantly watching him. Apparently, they were claims that he started to get into big-time drug dealing and sort of whatnot down there, basically. Out of nowhere, uh, his neighbour turned up dead, like we said, and McAfee was a suspect, fucked off to Guatemala, stayed there for a bit. News has spread of him like being a murderer and rapist now. That's another story on its own. Vice wanted to interview him. Um, they do some interesting stuff at times, uh, like, they're wankers at times, but they do some interesting stuff at other times as well. They flew down to Guatemala, interviewed them, and when they released the article, they forgot to wipe the metadata, which eventually led to police chasing them through Guatemala once they knew where he was. He was arrested by police and ultimately returned to the US um, under questionable circumstances that we vaguely covered. Yeah, like during his kind of political campaign, he created the Cyber Party, attempted to get the nomination, which he lost to Gary Johnson. And he was living in a shitty apartment in Portland, and he was at the time in 50 grand of debt. Obviously, it became much, much more. Um, we talked about the kind of this, the sex stuff he was into, getting shot on and stuff like that. He was also a big fan of putting bath salts up his arse as well, Jack. <laughs> right, okay. I, I understand that's a mad thing to be doing. Um, it's kind of hallucinogenic, I believe. Um, but I'm quite happy with all the rest of my life not knowing what a bath salt up your ass is like. Pretty active in social media, apparently. He sends his email out all the time, published his phone number with Business Insider, basically, but he refuses to do uh, use bots. Instead, he's recruited a group of volunteers, basically, which devote their time to mimicking his writing style and respond to everything for him. So, human robots, basically. Q-bots. Absolute crazy, crazy guy. And we'd obviously record this just a day or so after he's died. I imagine, Jack, there's going to be a hell of a lot more stuff um, to come out about him in the, in the coming weeks and months and probably years so it could be one we kind of maybe look back in again in a couple of years when some more shits came out because he seems pretty fascinating he's a pretty fascinating character yes that'll do it today i think mate so a little bit of, yeah a little bit of housekeeping before we go as as many of you have found out we are now bringing you content every day of the week on itunes uh, as well as this show dropping on a monday you've got bonus episodes uh, kind of condensed mini shows on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays um, for £2 a month through Apple Podcasts. It's only available on Apple. You get it through the iTunes app and there is a two-week free trial there if you want to try it out as well. And lastly, not asked you to do this for ages, but I would really like you to, if you could go onto iTunes and just leave a little leave a comment, give us five stars, do all that stuff. It's super, super helpful and it helps us get discovered on there as well. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Yeah, 100%. As always, guys, thanks for listening. We will speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Browse only the best pods in the best network. Quite the thing media.com.